welcome to Engage Boise. We hope that you enjoy this live recording of our Sunday service. This morning, we are talking about what you saw on the sign out there, the opportunity. The opportunity. It's not necessarily part two to our message from uh, last week, but it does kind of connect in some meaningful ways. And after all, it is the Bible, so it should all connect in some meaningful way, right? Last week, though, we talked about what we are living for the sake of. We studied this passage where Jesus, he calls the Pharisees out he's, because they were creating loopholes so that they can explain and excuse sin. And then he gets real with this crowd of people that have got, yeah, he walks away from the Pharisees, he walks up to the crowd of people and he gets real with them. And then he challenges even the traditions of his 12 disciples, his 12 closest friends. And we talked at the end of our message last week about how Jesus, when he begins to change us from the inside out, we can go from, our thoughts and our heart can go from, how do I survive this day to, what does God have for me today? So two vastly different ways of thinking. And to be sure, we talked directly last week in our daily lives that we, uh, there are some things in our lives some of us may need to change. And you may have left thinking, well, God kind of convicted me a little bit, and now I have to stop doing anything fun for the rest of my life. No fun. But I believe that God wants us to know wants you to know that we have an opportunity to see life in a whole different way. There's a different way that the world presents as far as the way we are supposed to live. And for sure, our decisions every day, every decision you make, it affects the course of your life. It just does. Even just to separate it, to not be spiritual at all for a moment. Just separate it, not be spiritual. When we are getting ready at my house to end the day each weeknight, um, well, Sunday through Thursday night, uh, we have an opportunity to get ready for uh, the next morning already. We have an opportunity at our house. So bedtime at our house, so shower time is 8.30. Each boy gets five minutes. They get a timer because if we don't give them a timer, they stay in there forever and play in the water. I don't know what they do. Put soap down the drain and clog it up so I have to unclog it. 8.30 shower time. 8.42, Luke says, is uh, uh, teeth brushing time. 9 o'clock is bedtime. Then my wife reads to him for a while. But sometime in there, there's some stuff we got to do to get ready for the next day. We can either choose chaos for the next morning or we can choose peace, at least to the best of our ability. You know, if you got kids, sometimes the chaos just happens. There ain't nothing you can do about it, right? The biggest example for us is sometimes we got to choose peace by making sure that we get the lunches ready the night before. If you don't get the lunch ready for the night before and then the kids go to school and they go hungry, then you got a problem, right? So this last week, this is actually, as part of it is my job. The boys, they actually get their little snacks ready. They put them in their lunchbox. My job is to help them get their main course ready. So a sandwich, a cup of noodles. I have a little microwave in their classroom, um, whatever it is they decide they might want. Now, John recently has been incredibly picky about his lunches. He'll be like, oh, yeah, I'll eat a cup of noodles forever, Dad, and then he'll eat it for one day, and then he'll just start throwing them away, or they'll just be in the lunchbox or whatever. And then he is that thing that we call hangry when I pick him up from school. But every day, Shonda takes, them to, Shonda takes them to school. I usually pick them up. But every night, it's my job to make sure that those sandwiches are ready. Whatever it is, we take a little poll. Hey, what do you, what do you want to have? Uh, peanut butter and Dorito sandwich. That's been a popular one lately, you know. So this last, uh, this last Thursday night, John wanted peanut butter and Dorito. Luke wanted peanut butter and jelly. I, as long as they'll eat it. Peanut butter's got protein in it. Doritos are fine. There's like five Doritos on the sandwich. Don't judge us. Come on. The kid will eat, the kid will eat, right? 
So I go to make the sandwiches. My wife is an account. She's downstairs working. And I go in. It's late. You know, it's like 11 o'clock. I go in the pantry. And the problem is there is no bread. No bread anywhere in the house. I don't know if the dog ate all the bread. I don't know if it got bad and we threw it away. I don't know. But there's no bread anywhere in the house. <clears throat> so at that moment, I'll tell you what, I was tired late night. And uh, at that moment, I had a chance to choose peace or choose chaos. The way I had to choose peace is I got in the car and I drove to Winco and I bought some bread because that was the only place that was open. <laughs> in that situation, right, that's kind of a humorous one, but we have a chance to consider a privilege to provide for our kids, at least to the best of our ability. Stuff happens. Send them to a school where they're well taken care of. Live in a country where we are free to do as we please. It is safe and I can get in my car and I can drive seven minutes to Winco at 11.45 at night and get two loaves of bread if I want. Dodge the forklift, guys, because at Winco at midnight, that's what they're doing. They're using the forklifts to put stuff on the shelves. Couldn't even get actually the kind I wanted because they had the white bread roped off. I had to get buttermilk instead, but whatever. Got the bread. And I got to choose the chance to avert the chaos that would ensue if Shonda got ready to take them to school and there were no sandwiches. I got to... I had to uh, have an opportunity to choose peace. I want to talk to you this morning. God wants to speak to us about the opportunity we have in our lives to choose joy. Choose joy. We're not talking the entire time this morning about a specific story in the New Testament like we have the past few weeks. Uh, but Jesus talks about joy all over uh, the New Testament. We're going to read some of those scriptures together here in a moment. One of the awesome things about the Bible, though, is that it's a bit like a frame with a really beautiful painting in the middle, right? Half of the frame is the Old Testament. Half of the frame is the New Testament. I realize the pages aren't the same, so don't do math in your head, right? But half is the Old Testament, half is the New Testament, and right in the middle is the Gospels, the story of Jesus on earth. And with the framework around it, the good news of the Gospel, the good news that Jesus brought, the good news that heaven brought to earth, it takes on even more meaning. And a little piece in that framework, a little farther forward in the New Testament, is this scripture I've got for us in the New Living Translation, uh, James 1, uh, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. In this life, church, when we face trials of many kinds and we will face trouble, that's what Jesus tells us. What if we considered it an opportunity instead of an obstacle? Instead of an obstacle, we considered it an opportunity for joy. What if instead of focusing on what the world says is joy and happiness, we took the opportunity to have joy in what God has given us? It's a question I was challenged with this week. What James tells us here and the words of Jesus tell us that we'll read together here in a few minutes are really significant. Because what it tells us is that our frustrating days and tough choices, they're simply opportunities to have joy. The frustrating trip to Winco, dodge a forklift, get the bread, it, had, it was an opportunity to have joy. And I will be honest with you, when I first left, I was not seizing my opportunity very well. I was tired. I wanted to eat my ramen noodles and go to bed. <laughs> that was my snack I was going to have. We've been talking in this series about how heaven itself came to the real world in the form of Jesus. Heaven came to earth in the form of Jesus. And friends, heaven came to show us joy in a place that very often is full of sorrow. This earth very often is full of sorrow, and Jesus came to bring heaven to that world. 
I know it sounds a little bit counterintuitive what I'm saying, but we're going to unpack it. And it might sound a little crazy to us even, but there is a chance for us to have joy like we have not ever known when we follow the example of Jesus. But here's the kicker about joy when it comes to following the example of Jesus. It has nothing to do with our circumstances. Just together for a moment, look what Jesus teaches us in the Gospels. Consider the opportunity for joy that comes our way. Turn with you this morning, if you have your Bibles, uh, Luke chapter 10, uh, where we first see uh, what Jesus teaches us. First thing is this, we don't rejoice because of what we do or what we do not have. Let's read together this little, little uh, section of scripture, Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. I'm reading to you out of the NIV this morning. It says this, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. We don't rejoice because of what we do or do not have. As always, it really helps us to understand what was happening within the story of Jesus' life here on earth. Uh, And this particular exchange has some really rich meaning if we look at it a little deeper. You look up a little higher in Luke 10, it would be a really long section to read, so we'll just summarize it. You look ahead, a little higher in Luke 10, we see that Jesus, he has sent some of his followers on a mission. He's like, I have a mission for you. Uh, Luke 10, verse 1 and 2, after the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. What Jesus has done here is he has taken 72 followers, 70 people that, 72 people that believe in him, who he is. Not the 12 disciples. They stayed with him. But he sends these 72 followers out. And he sends them into all the places where he is about to go and preach repentance, forgiveness of sins. There's all sorts of interesting stuff in there. 72 is a symbolic number because Moses appointed 72 elders as his representatives in the Old Testament. That's Numbers chapter 11. Remember, there's the frame around the gospel, right? And 72 is the amount of nations that they thought existed in the world at that time. And he sends them out as partners in his ministry. It doesn't even say here how long they're gone. It just says simply they returned with joy. And the first thing they said when they came back, they had joy. And they said, even demons submit to us in your name. Now, this was something they had never been able to see happen before. So, of course, they were very excited. They thought this was amazing. In verse 18 and 19, Jesus explains to them what's happening, right? He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. I've given you authority. Now, to a casual observer, they would have just seen a few healings in these various towns that that these 72 went to. But in the big scheme of things, what Jesus knew and what he saw is that Satan himself was being defeated on earth. Heaven had come to earth. Satan was being defeated. That's what Jesus saw. 
This is really important, should not be lost sight of. It's kind of like a little aside to this, and that is this. When we go, know this, friends. When we go in the name of Jesus, Satan has already been defeated. When you go on something God has sent you to do, and you go in the name of Jesus and he's with you, he's already been defeated. We can take confidence uh, in this, and we, we sang about it this morning, that when Jesus sends us, the battle is already won. Now, let me tell you this. It doesn't mean the battle does not have to be fought. It doesn't mean you never fight any battles. It just means it's already won on your behalf. The battle that you are fighting each day, it's already won. You have to step into it, and you've got to pick up the sword and whatever weapon the Lord has given you. You've got to fight it, but it's already won on your behalf when you go with Jesus. And this should give us some measure of joy because we know that no matter what we do, if God is for us, who can be against us? We also see Jesus telling him here, hey, when you go in my name, you're going to be protected from physical harm. This is what Jesus means when he says that they have the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Now, you may have heard, even in modern times, of people who, they use this scripture and they purposely go handle snakes. They're like, well, the, Jesus said that in his name we will um, handle snakes and step on scorpions. So what I'm going to do is go grab a rattlesnake and just prove to you that I am allowed to do this. They're trying to prove that this verse is true for them. But I just have news for you today. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. Uh, this does not mean that you get to go do tricks for everyone in order to prove the power of God. Because that's essentially what, they, what people sometimes will do. Well, I'm going to do this trick of holding a dangerous animal and prove to you that God loves me. And the reason I know that is because if you read the New Testament, there's no place where people purposely court danger in order to prove how much power they can tap into. They go into dangerous situations and God protects them, but they're not purposely trying to find it. There is the time you're probably thinking of when Paul has been shipwrecked on an island, and in the process of building a fire, he's bitten by a snake. He reaches the hand into the brush, and the snake is on there, and he shakes it off, and the people are amazed. In that case, Paul, he was not trying to prove a point. He was surviving in a desperate situation. He's building a fire, gets bitten by a snake, throws it off, and he's fine. That is what this scripture Means. So you don't get to do magic tricks in the name of the Lord. Sorry. <laughs> what Jesus is communicating to us, though, is that if we go in his name, he will be with us and he will protect us from all danger. If you go in his name, he will protect you. But notice none of that stuff is what Jesus tells the 72 to have joy about. Look at verse 20, what Jesus does tell them to rejoice in. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. They say, hey, we did all these amazing things, and they were in your name. Isn't that great? And Jesus says, well, don't have joy about that. Have joy that your names are written in heaven. So, yes, Jesus has seen Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Yes, they could go in his name. They could bring healing and restoration, and he protected them in the process. But that is not what they are supposed to rejoice about. What they should rejoice about, what we should rejoice about today, friends, is that God himself knows our name. God of the universe, the God we sang to you, the God we pray to, he knows our name. And we must realize, friends, if we are going to take the opportunity in front of us to have great joy, like James uh, chapter 1 says, then we don't have joy solely because of what we do or do not have. We have joy because of God's great love for us and because of the eternal life that he has given us because of his great love. I believe, friends, that this has deep implications for us in 2023 as people who live in Boise, Idaho, 2023. Because now, instead of basing our joy or lack of joy on a victory or a defeat, 
We base it on the fact that regardless, eternal life belongs to us because we are sons and daughters of God. No, I'm telling you, I was in the middle of writing this when I kind of stomped out the door and went to Winco on Thursday night. I mean, I'd been like typing all this stuff, right? Oh, fine, I'll go and get the bread. God was reminding me, regardless, eternal life belongs to me. I'm a son of God because I've accepted Jesus. Now, what does that mean for us and our experiences in this life? Because you're probably thinking, man, John, that all sounds very well and very spiritual. I'm glad that's been your experience. But what if there are things on earth that make us happy and they even bring us joy? There's a ton of things on earth that make me happy and bring me joy. Well, we see this clue from Jesus in what he does in in, uh, verse 21. You see, Jesus thanks his father God for what he has done and then that he has revealed the secrets of life to little children. It's not the only time where Jesus says something like this in the New Testament. I believe the reason Jesus says this right here uh, is because he's showing us something, something that we know as people but we often forget, and that is that we do not have joy for very long without thankfulness. We don't have joy for long unless we are thankful. If you are around kids very much, then you know that they are awesome at living in the moment. I don't know when it is they cross from not living in the moment, but kids, they are awesome at living in the moment. When they are doing something fun, something that God made them to do, man, there is nothing like it. And all their focus is enjoying that one thing, being grateful that they're doing it, just because they're alive and doing it, and God gave them the ability to do it. They're not maybe processing all that, but they just do it because God put it in there. They haven't learned yet to be worried about what might come next or what might come tomorrow. So they're just thankful in their hearts for what God has made them to be, what he has allowed them to do. And they don't know any better. Um, Think of this uh, little guy, Noah. Some of you have met Noah. He's our neighbor my neighborhood. Uh, Those of you who have met him, you should continue praying for him. Uh, He's been here a few times. He can be kind of rough on the place when he comes. He's got a rough, uh, he's 10. He's got a rough upbringing and a rough background and a rough family life. He ripped a coat rack off the wall here one time when he first came. It was kind of funny. It's funny now. It wasn't funny at the time. Ripped a coat rack off the wall. But Noah, this guy, uh, we send him home a lot. He comes to play with our boys, and he gets too rough. We have to send him home sometimes. But there's this thing about Noah I've noticed. Uh, he's 10, and he's, like, out all the time by himself. Late at night, he's out by himself. Someday, when he comes and he's doing awesome, we're going to celebrate because we've been praying for him, and God took care of him. But the thing about Noah is he, he puts on this really tough exterior. And the thing is, Noah, he has this way that he laughs when he's actually having fun and his guard is down. And I can totally tell when uh, there's actually something genuine going on in him where he's experiencing real joy because his guard is down. He's not having to worry about if he's going to eat. He's not having to worry about if he's going to be taken care of. But he has this certain kind of laugh that he does because God has revealed to the little children what it means to be joyful. You see, friends, taking a cue from children is how we manage to take the opportunity for joy each day. By embracing who God has made us to be. Enjoying what he has made us to love because God has made each and every one of you to love stuff on this earth. But we have to know at all times our true value comes from the fact that we have a place in God's family. The key, if we can do it, is to place more value on our status as a son or daughter of God than anything that we accomplish on this earth. You can 
you can do your best to accomplish things on this earth, but we take more value out of what uh, God has done and who he has made us to be. What we see from the 72 uh, that Jesus sends out here is that it even includes the things we do in his name. We must take more value in the fact that we are sons and daughters of God than what we do in his name. And he will give us great favor as we go forward, as long as we go forward in his name. But even in the church, friends, our rejoicing comes not from our great ministry or our success, but it comes from the fact that our names are written in heaven. Another lesson Jesus teaches us here, I believe, is number two, we are joyful because of the cause we live for. Flip back, uh, flip back just a little bit in your Bible this morning. We see another instance of the joy that marked the life of Jesus on earth. Just a, a little short uh, couple of verses. Not long before he's going to be hung on the cross, sent to his death. Here's what Jesus says to his disciples. Matthew 26, 37, 38. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful, sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. But what you might be thinking is that does not sound like the most joyful point in the life of Jesus. And you're right, but we also have to remember the frame that goes around the Gospels. You see, the author of Hebrews is a little farther forward in the New Testament. He says this about that moment in the life of Jesus, Hebrews 12, 2. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus teaches us such a valuable lesson in this moment. That is, though there's suffering and pain and sadness during the last few weeks of his life, his joy was set before him because he knew what he had come for. Jesus knew the cause that he had come for. And he knew what the end result was as well, returning to heaven, sitting down at the right hand of his father. Joy was set before Jesus because he knew the cause that he came for. When it comes to the opportunity that we have each day, friends, the example that Jesus sets holds uh, really deep meaning for us in our everyday lives. First of all, there's this. There are times in our lives where there does not seem to be uh, much joy in the natural and the things you can see. We don't have to pretend everything's perfect and sunshine and kittens all the time. There's times when there's not a lot of joy. When it comes down to it, what is happening in our current situation on earth, it's not great. And you're thinking, man, there have been better days. Odds are, if they're in a group of people even this size, there are those of you here who you find yourselves in a situation right now where you identify with what Jesus says in Matthew 26. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. I really, I don't know if I can take a whole lot more of this. Too many more days like this, Lord, I'm not too sure. Most everyone encounters at least one time in their life uh, when they feel this way. If you haven't encountered a time like that, I would guess that you will. There is nothing like it, that feeling, and it's almost impossible to describe when you're in the middle of it. But the way that we somehow have joy in the midst of that is by remembering the cause that we live for. What is the cause that we live for? What are we living to connect it to last week for the sake of? Now, if we know Jesus, then if we have nothing else, we have the cause of Christ that he's given us on earth, right, to know him and to make him known. If we have nothing else, we have that. 
And as James says, we can see our trials as an opportunity for joy when it comes to the trials that we face. Now, there are surely some of us, some of you, who are called to give a lot on this earth. Some of us are called to give more than others, but thankfully, none of us will be asked to do what Jesus had to do, which is take the sins of the whole world upon themselves. You're safe from having to do that. (laughs) Nothing we will face, friends, compares to what Jesus faced when he was on earth and when he went to the cross. But there are times when the joy is not in the moment, but in what lies ahead of us. If you're in a spot in your life right now where the joy is not in the moment, well, friends, the joy, the joy lies ahead of you if you're in Jesus. We endure the moment because of what is ahead. Now, just quickly, I can think of a couple ways where this kind of comes into play for us. One of them is if we are in the midst of a battle, we would rather not be fighting. Something we, we did not bring upon ourselves or our family. You're in the middle of something that really is frustrating, and it is not your fault. It's a physical issue that's affecting you that you didn't bring on yourself. Emotional, relational strife resulting from some decision that was made in your family by someone else and you didn't do anything to bring it on, but you're the one that has to fix it. You're the one in the middle of it. Can anybody uh, say amen and been in the middle of that before? Come on. The reason that happens, friends, is because the reality is the world is a fallen place. Therefore, sickness and death and pain, they exist. And the other reality is that we can't control other people's actions. The quickest way to get frustrated is to go try and control other people's actions. Therefore, there's going to be times that are emotionally beyond what we thought we could bear because of what someone else does. We wish they wouldn't have done it. We can even go to them and say, you dummy. That's a kind word. You dummy. You should not have done that. But we can't control other people's actions. And the thing is, when we're in the middle of that stuff, we do not jump up and down excitedly and pretend to love the moment, right? I'm not saying when you're in the middle of something hard, you come in and you're like, this is the best day of my life. That would be lying. The Bible says not to do that. But we do know that what we endure, uh, when we endure ahead are better days, even on earth, that are full of God's promises, Full of God's promises, full of the joy that comes in the morning that we sing about sometimes. That's Psalm uh, chapter 30, verse 5, the joy comes in the morning. Another way this presents itself, friends, is how it connects with last week is that uh, you might remember how we talked about how those Pharisees, teachers of the law, they created these loopholes so they uh, could make rules and give themselves an excuse to sin. And how it manifests itself in our life is uh, we come up with reasons that it's fine to sin in what we think are small ways. Maybe we tiptoe up to the line, we get as close as we can without technically sinning just for the sake of our own comfort. And the battles that we choose not to fight, we leave for those that come after us. It's all stuff we talked about last week. Something that occurred to me as I was reflecting on this is that if we are busy tiptoeing up to the line, we're not making any progress in walking towards what God has actually called us to be. Maybe that part was just for me. I don't know, but uh, that occurred to me this week. But as it pertains to today, friends, nobody is claiming that even when you feel maybe like you did last week, God asking you to make a change, uh, no one is claiming that that is fun. The question might be for you, where is the joy in that, giving up something that I think is fun? Right? Maybe this has been a thing for me in my past. I've always listened to certain music, but then my heart is convicted about it. 
There's going to be some days when it's not easy because I like those songs. Right? There's a substance or a website that we've always used to help us calm down at the end of a stressful day, but it's destructive. God convicts us. We've come to the realization that it is a sinful habit. No one is saying that it's going to be easy to drive by the store, not pull in the parking lot, or not go to the web pages you usually go to at the end of the day. No one is telling you that's going to be easy. But we're not doing it because it's easier or joyful in the moment. We're doing it because of the joy that lies ahead. We're not making the hard choice because it's easy in that moment. We're doing it because of the joy that lies ahead. We're making a change in the substances we allow because we want to break the chains of addiction in our family tree. I'm not doing it now because for the fun of it. We're doing it for the future. We're doing it so our kids don't have the same problems. That's the joy that lies ahead of us. We're breaking the chains of control, friends. This is a real issue in the church that we don't talk about that much, but statistics say a lot of people struggle with this. We're breaking the chains of control that pornography has in our lives so we don't pass it on to our kids. That's the joy that lies ahead of us. We're breaking uh, the habit of emotionally manipulative relationships or even promiscuity in our lives. So our kids never see that example in us, and they live a life that's free from that. That's the joy that lies ahead of us. Now, I'm just going to warn you and tell you, most of the time, that work is not easy or fun, at least at first. Because no matter how nice I can make it sound in here, there's going to be some lonely moments. But what is fun is seeing those who come after us live in freedom. There's nothing like it. And in these cases, sometimes the joy that's set before us at the moment, it might not even look like a hint of a smile. You might not be able to smile uh, um, if, if someone gave you a million dollars. Someday it's not going to work anymore, but I love to tell my son, John Ford, when he's cranky, I'll say, John, don't smile. Whatever you do, don't smile. It's, it's worked every time so far in, the, in 10 years. But there's some days when no matter what anyone says to you, there's not a smile that's coming to your lips. In fact, it's probably more likely to be like gritted teeth. But when we discover the good and the perfect plans that God has for us, because he does have them, we see our families thrive because they live in freedom. That's when the smile and the outward joy comes. And if we have nothing else, friends, when we give our lives to Christ and then we get to heaven, we hear the Father say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. You did what I asked you to do. You see, the joy comes not in every single day being easy, but in remembering the cause that we are called to. Our final thought about the opportunity for joy today, we're almost done, is this number three. We embrace the opportunity for joy when we embrace the words of Jesus. One more scripture today, John 15, 9 through 11, says this. This is Jesus talking. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So we've talked this morning about how joy does not come from what we do or do not have. In fact, it has everything to do with the cause that we are living for. If we know Jesus, it's the cause of Christ. And to be sure, as we've touched on a fair bit, living for the cause of Christ, it means obeying his commands on earth. 
And I will tell you, friends, I believe this with all my heart. Our first greatest mandate from God after accepting Christ is to take care of our families. And there's a lot of joy, the kind that's really easy to define that everyone likes when we put time into taking care of our families. And there's nothing that makes my heart happier than seeing my wife or my kids succeed, discover everything that God made them to be. Um, I talk often about Christina, our daughter who we adopted, lives in Twin Falls. Saw her yesterday. She was here with her church, helping a student conference that our teenagers were at. Um, Man, there were a lot of late and emotional nights with her. I mean, I can't say the word a lot strongly enough. We adopted her. She came to live with us when she was 14, and there was a lot of stuff. And it didn't end the day she turned 18. I'll just tell you that. But, man, when I see her drive down here with Full Life Family Church, the AG Church in Twin Falls, with a car full of teenagers and take them to a conference and love on them, and I stop by and I see these kids just revolving around her. Man. That's some joy that comes to my heart, right? There's nothing that makes my heart happier than seeing my wife and my kids succeed, discovering what God made them to be, and God has that for you as well. And friends, we need to know this. The joy that comes from serving Jesus, doing life the right way, it makes any joy the world brings in its own way, it pales in comparison. Romans 12 tells us, right, that the God of hope fills us with joy and peace. God of hope fills you with joy and peace. And I just say that stuff so you know that embracing the opportunity for joy, it doesn't mean you're sad all the time. In fact, when we don't base it on our circumstances and we do base it on the cause of Christ, there's a lot of days filled with big smiles and we don't have to have too rough of a day when everything doesn't go our way. And the scripture we just read is what helps us get there. Jesus just gave us a little formula of how to do it. Jesus gives us in this uh, part, uh, a two-step process in these few verses. First thing he says is we remain in his love. We remain in his love. We choose to accept Jesus. We repent of our sins. We commit to living for him each day. And we're not just choosing his love. We are remaining in his love each day. You know, my wedding day, uh, when Chandra and I got married, uh, we chose to love each other. We exchanged rings. We did the wedding. All the people came, we did the presents, we did all that stuff. We chose to love each other that day. But the days that follow and the days that are still happening, that's the remaining part. You choose to follow Christ and then day by day you remain in him. When it comes to our marriage, right, we decide that we are going to be faithful for better or for worse. That's the remaining inside the relationship. When it comes to our relationship with Jesus, friends, we remain in his love by giving him our heart anew each day, asking for forgiveness when we blow it. Second, friends, if we're going to remain in his love, we keep his commands. If you want to know how to live a life on earth that is full of joy, in the good moments and the sad moments and everything in between, the way we do it is by keeping the commands of Jesus. Friends, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It's in heaven and it's on earth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And that leads us to kind of the final thought I have for you today. And that's this. We know the commands of Jesus through his words. We know the commands of Jesus through his words, and we know the commands of Jesus by making them a part of our life each day. And if you're here this morning, you're like, what in the world are you talking about? I would encourage you right here in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the part that's in the middle of the frame 
That's the words that Jesus spoke when he was on this earth. Start with those gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and begin to apply what Jesus says to your life. There's a lot more contained within the framework uh, before and after, but just start right there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you feel in your life like you would like to embrace the opportunity for joy in all situations and not just the good ones, my challenge to you would be to start here, to start uh, and commit to reading the words of Jesus every day. I don't dare you that often, but I dare you to try and see if it doesn't make a difference in your life. It's not that all the stuff that we enjoy goes away, because that's not the case at all. Like we said, Jesus, God created us to love and to do stuff. But Jesus becomes the center, and the rest of it revolves around him, instead of that stuff being the center and Jesus revolving around it. Truthfully, friends, when we begin to to read the words of Jesus, and I have found this to be true, when we begin to read the words of Jesus, some things don't bring the satisfaction that they did before. When we decide to remain in his love, the things that brought us joy and satisfaction before, they might change. But friends, we embrace the opportunity for joy when we embrace Jesus. Keep out your heads and close your eyes. We're almost done this morning. If you don't know Jesus today, uh, Jesus wants you to know uh, there's a better way. Uh, this is why we talk about this today. There's a better way than the rat race of bigger and shinier and better better social media pictures, fancier stuff. There's a better way than that. And where that starts is accepting him as Savior. We must know and accept that, that God created us to be with him, to be his sons and daughters. That's why we do all of this today. But our sin as humans, it separates us from God. Friends, there is no good deed that we can do that can make us good enough. And that's why Jesus came to earth. He lived life with no sin and he died and he rose again. When he did that, friends, the Bible says that he took our sins to the grave and he left them there. Everyone who trusts Jesus, repents of sin, asks for forgiveness, those people have eternal life. And friends, if you're here today, you're hearing this life with Jesus, with him in your heart, it starts as soon as we repent and we ask forgiveness. And I'll tell you, there's an unimaginable joy that comes with it. There's people that have been serving the Lord way longer than me in this room that can uh, testify about it more than I can. There's unimaginable joy that comes with it. Psalm 51 tells us that God gives us the joy of his salvation. This word says that his mercies are new every morning. So this morning, well, we're not even going to repeat the prayer or anything like that. I just want to give you a moment. Stacey's going to play just for uh, a few more seconds here. And I'm just going to give you a moment to allow the Lord to speak to you. And if you're here today and this stuff is ringing true, the things of the world are, are they're making you feel empty. No matter how good it seems on the outside, it doesn't feel good on the inside and there's no joy. If that's you today and you need to accept the Lord, I would just encourage you to whisper a prayer to Jesus today. Lord, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Accept you into my life. Friends, just take a moment. Talk to the Lord this morning if you need to. Uh, and then we'll close. Lord, this morning we do. As the song that we sang earlier says, as we talked about, Lord, uh, we place our hope and our trust in you, for you are our firm foundation. The rock on which we place our hope and our trust. 
Uh, Lord, for those this morning uh, that they've just been, and they've been uh, battling it every single day. Um, Lord, I pray that you would help them in their hearts to be able to uh, take joy in what is set before them. Take joy in the cause they live for. Take joy in the fact that you have called them to something bigger and better. For those of us, Lord, sometimes that tend to take too much joy in the things you've created and not in you and who you are, I pray that you would let our hearts and our focus remain on you today. Lord, I just pray that every person that's in this place, they would walk out with a better understanding of um, the fact that our joy, our happiness does not come from the things of this life, Lord, but it comes from the fact, God, that our names are written in your book of life. And when this world comes to an end, Jesus will be with you in heaven. I thank you for that truth. And I pray for anyone that's in this place and needs to accept it that they would in this moment. Uh, that your grace and your mercy would find them. Would you let them know it's big enough, it's wide enough, you're gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. You do not treat me as my sins deserve. I'm so grateful for it. Lord, thanks for this day. Thanks for your word that is alive and it speaks to us. Thanks for being with us as we worshiped you. Thanks that you do all things well and you know us. I pray you'd go with every person with your compassion and your grace today. Bring us back here safely. We pray these things in your name, Lord. Amen. 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 Friends, thanks for coming to church today. Like we said, all kinds of things going on. Grab a stack of these guys. Pass them out. The yard signs should be here soon. We'll give you some of those. We've also got some of these cards just generally about our church. Grab one of these. Give them to your friends. Leave them at the gas station. We're so glad you came to church today. Go sign up for that stuff. If you're a lady, I guess don't forget your packing list for ladies' retreat. You wouldn't want to forget all the stuff like you've never packed a bag before in your life. I'm just teasing Pastor Wendy, giving you a hard time. (laughs) Hey, thanks for coming to church. We'll see you uh, Wednesday night or Sunday morning. I'd love to meet you out there in the foyer today. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit us at engageboise.com. Have an amazing day.